This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's 2FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joel Sami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sardorj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit, and our distinguished guest host, Governor Phil Bryant. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org. This weekend on America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., we're honored to be joined by a great American and a principal leader, Cleta Mitchell. Cleta Mitchell is a senior legal fellow at Conservative Partnership Institute and chairs CPI's Election Integrity Network. Cleta is an attorney licensed in Oklahoma and the District of Columbia who has practiced election campaign finance and political law for decades. She is one of the founders and is chairman of the Public Interest Legal Foundation, and Cleta has served as outside counsel to the National Rifle Association and dozens of GOP members of the House and Senate, as well as many local and state Republican Party committees. Elected in 1976, Mitchell served in the Oklahoma House of Representatives until 1984. She represents numerous conservative organizations and was one of the key attorneys who fought back against the Obama IRS during the targeting of Tea Party groups. Cleta is admitted to practice before many federal district courts and the U.S. Supreme Court. Indeed, it is our great honor to welcome Cleta Mitchell to America's Roundtable Radio. A good morning to you and welcome, Cleta. Welcome, Cleta. Thank you, guys, so much. It's such a wonderful privilege to be with you. Thank you. Thank you, Glida. The forthcoming gubernatorial election in the Commonwealth of Virginia next week is seen as a preview of the next midterm elections and a test of Joe Biden's presidency. The race between a Democrat candidate and former governor of Virginia, Terry McAuliffe, and Republican candidate Glenn McYunkin is very tight, and every vote will be important to determine the winner. Uh, last week, Public Interest Legal Foundation filed a complaint and motion for an injunction against the Fairfax County General Registrar and three members of the Fairfax County Election Board for violating Virginia election law. And the foundation mentions that Fairfax County is violating Virginia law by accepting and approving applications for absentee and mail-in ballots that do not include the last four digits of the applicant's social security number as required under Virginia statutes. Cleta, could you kindly share with us your observations about Virginia's upcoming gubernatorial election process and irregularities that you have discovered? Well, I think the most important thing I would say, first of all, is that one of the things that has happened in Virginia that is so important is that citizens all across the state have been involved since the spring in forming local election integrity task forces. And they have gotten themselves trained in Virginia's election law and procedures. They have been attending election board meetings in, in all of the counties or in many of the counties. They have been working at the election offices. And because they have been there, 
the first thing I would say is they have heard things and seen things and they've gotten some things fixed that uh, needed to be fixed because they, uh, the election administrators and they're called general registrars in Virginia, that they had not been following the law. And the only way, uh, this lawsuit that you reference is very interesting because it is a law in Virginia, as you pointed out, it's in the statutes, that in order to receive an absentee ballot, a voter must send an application for an absentee ballot, and on that must include the last four digits of the voter's social security number. And because these citizens were there working in the election office, watching what was going on, taking down information about the number of absentee ballots that had been applied for, issued, returned, process they're they're keeping all of this data and they're watching it closely and because they're doing that they've gotten to know a lot of the election workers and one of the workers basically pulled one of our citizen volunteers aside and said sort of you didn't hear it from me but they've told the registrar has told us to stop requiring the last four digits and to go ahead and send the absentee ballot, even if it doesn't have that. So our citizen leader, we do twice a week conference calls, and, sh and she said, we've just heard this. What do we do? I said, well, you've got to document it first. You've got to find out if that's true or not. And Virginia has good uh, Freedom of Information Act uh, provisions, so you can send a request and they have to answer you within five days. And so they did send the request and sure enough determined and had it confirmed that they just, the general registrar has just suddenly said, you don't have to have that any longer. And so uh, that's when we talked to the Public Interest Legal Foundation and the organization that hosts the weekly, the biweekly calls of the Virginia Fair Elections Coalition uh, said we we can't let this go on, mainly because the thing we always worry about in Virginia is that Loudoun and Fairfax County, Fairfax being the largest county in Virginia, that at the last minute they'll come up with all these this flood of votes and ballots, and that's what we're worried about is that they'll try to flood the zone in Fairfax County in the in the closing days because that's how they are winning. They win because, as I've tried to say, is, you know, this is a two-front war. You can't just run a campaign and expect the election process to be handled in a nonpartisan manner. We can't do that any longer. And so Public Interest Legal Foundation filed a lawsuit. Hopefully the judge will find that the general registrar actually needs to follow the statute. And if it needs to be changed, they need to take that to the legislature and not just willfully start ignoring the law. But who knows? I mean, it is Fairfax County and the judiciary isn't always uh, doing its job in these election issues. Right, Clita, and that was not the only issue, actually. There was also an issue with the County Board of Supervisors that asked Democrat Governor Ralph Northam to allow the county to waive the witness signature requirement for absentee ballots. And the question is, Clita, even if the court decides uh, this week that the four digits of social security numbers are required, what happens with those ballots that have already been cast? 
Well, that's a good question. My understanding is that they uh, have agreed to segregate those ballots that have come in as a result of the application not having the four digits of the Social Security number and the county sending the ballots out. And they have identified, they know who those are because obviously they know who the who asked for the ballots and who received the ballots and whether they were sent back. And they've segregated those and not opened them, as I understand it. So there will be the possibility of either requiring them to provide those four digits or that they're, you know, to cure that or that their uh, ballot will not, cannot be counted. So, you know, one of the other things about the last four digits of a social security number is a demonstration that you're a citizen. And one of the things that we have to remember is that these left-wing groups have sent out over 2 million pieces of mail to Virginia voters who are in three different mailings targeted to get them. They've sent them applications for absentee ballots, and they probably do not have. What they don't have is the last four digits of the Social Security number. But these groups, these left-wing groups, have pre-populated the applications for absentee ballots and said to these voters, well, just send it in. Well, if somebody just sends it in, but they don't add the last four digits of the Social Security number, then that's a problem. And that's the only way that the county can verify that these people are citizens. And that's one of the reasons that it's in the law. But it is the law. And if they don't like the law, the Democratic legislature has basically eliminated virtually every kind of integrity measure that used to exist in Virginia. They used to have voter ID. It used to be illegal to have ballot harvesting or ballot trafficking. They didn't have same-day registration. There were all sorts of, of laws on the books in Virginia to protect the integrity of the elections. And the Democratic legislature eliminated all but a couple of them. And this is one of them, the last four digits of Social Security number on the application. And then, as you pointed out, the uh, Board of Supervisors voted eight to one, eight Democrats, one Republican, to ask the governor to issue an emergency order, a COVID emergency, by the way. That's what they asked. Declare a COVID emergency so that they could waive the requirement that there be a witness and a witness signature on every absentee ballot that is returned. So they wanted to get rid of, they quietly got rid of the integrity measure verification for the application. And then the Board of Supervisors said, well, let's also get rid of the only verification of identity by having a witness on the absentee ballot envelope. So this is the play they ran in 2020. They used COVID as a pretext to simply eliminate the ballot integrity and voting integrity measures adopted by state legislatures, and they're trying to do that again. Cleto, advocates from the progressive wing of the Democratic Party and a greater number of individuals from the left have been advocating for mail-in ballots. In fact, as certain world leaders from nations around the world approved of America's 2020 elections, and they claimed it as free and fair, and often taking the buzzwords and sentences from America's biased mainstream media groups, one should note that they will not discuss the topic of America's challenges of verifying mail-in ballots. And 
understand why the vast majority of democratic nations around the world, and specifically a number of nations within the European Union, actually outlaw mail-in ballots. In fact, it is illegal to use mail-in ballots in France and a number of European nations. And in fact, India, the largest democracy of 1.4 billion people, where 912 million people were eligible to vote in their 2019 national elections did not have a mail-in ballot. And Cleta, what should Americans take note of when they hear of the push to expand the mail-in ballot scheme? And furthermore, in light of concerns from other strong democracies around the world, should American voters also call for a ban of mail-in ballots and the extended season of voting now, which is now in the number of months rather than just a day? Well, for instance, you're exactly right. In Virginia, voting started on September 17th. Now, there is no way to have real citizen transparency and observation and oversight of the process when it's going on for 45 days. Absolutely. And in addition to that, then they have all this, these mail ballots. Look, I think that we should stop being intimidated by those who say, oh, we can't really stop mail ballots. Well, yes, we can. Yes, we can, and yes, we should. And if there's going to be a mail-in ballot process, I had one state legislator who said to me this week that he believes that we should have one type of voting at a time, not mail voting at the same time as early voting, at the same time as drive-by voting. I mean, it creates chaos. And where there is chaos, it is impossible to have integrity. I think we should get rid of mail ballots unless there is some absolute reason as in the statute that's set forth in the statute that would allow a person only those people who meet those criteria would be able to vote by mail and have uh, early voting no longer no longer than 10 days before the election and i hate that we even have it that i'd rather see it you know one week one week before the election i think there should be a way to do it so that voting closes on friday Maybe you have it for the five days you know, before and they'll close a business on Friday so that they can update the poll books for election day voting and go back to some of the ways that when people didn't used to have to worry about whether the elections were, were fair and honest. And now we do. And I think that that's a terrible situation. Clita, I mean, the consent of the governed is what made the United States of America a model for people's yearning for freedom around the world. The U.S. Constitution, which defines the government, which is of, for, and by the people, is America's founding father's creation and the bedrock of our republic. People give their consent to be governed by individuals that they choose and can replace through elections at the local, state, and federal levels. The importance of elections should not be underestimated because elections determine what kind of policies will be pursued and implemented by the elected officials. Uh, Clita, when we talked to you last time, we discussed the Voting Rights Bill, or HR1, and specifically the proposed election procedures, which seem to be undermining the integrity of elections, uh, such as we just mentioned, making mail-in voting permanent, but also removing the requirement for ID voter identification and requiring states to offer online and same-day voter registration as well as 15 days of early voting nationwide. Uh, Clita, could you kindly share with us your thoughts and what is the status of HR1, Bill? Well, 
I hate HR one because it's a federal takeover of our elections and it's intent upon codifying and making permanent all of the mischief that the left engaged in in 2020. And if you want to see it in, at work, basically the Virginia legislature has adopted HR one. They just managed to not include these two provisions that we've been talking about. And I think if the legislature had paid attention to those, they would have gotten rid of those requirements as well, but they didn't. And that is still the law. But I think that this whole idea that they're going to federalize the elections, I have been told by uh, people who go to uh, these events in Las Vegas where they have hackers, there are these gatherings of computer hackers, and they have a whole section hacking voting machines, and they have contests to see how fast, who can hack the voting system most quickly. <laughs> and so, you know, I, my view is that the left wants to be able to manipulate the voting system. They are not content to let the candidates and the campaigns advance their ideas, espouse their ideas, then let the people choose. They do not want that. They want to control us. They want to predetermine the outcome. And as you pointed out, the consent of the governed, what they want to be able to do is to push this country over the edge toward full-fledged socialism, which is what they're trying to do with this legislation they're trying to push through now. The media keeps talking about it as a spending bill. It is not a spending bill. It is the permanent guarantee of socialism in America, Bill. I do not understand why the Republicans are not calling it that. It is not a spending bill. It doesn't matter if it's $5 trillion, $3 trillion, $1 trillion. It's what that money is being spent for and the socialistic programs that are in that bill. I do not believe the American people support that. If they knew what was in it, they sure wouldn't support it. And they would rise up and throw these horrible members of Congress out of office next year, which is why the left and the Democrats are trying to make sure that they put the elections beyond the voters' reach and that we can't withdraw our consent to these people ever again. And that's what worries me, because if that happens we will have lost this country. Indeed, Cleta. What can American citizens do at the local level, specifically practical steps to support principal efforts that guard the sanctity of the ballot and ensure that America's elections are free and fair? Well, the first thing they can do is they can visit the website of the Election Integrity Network. It's www.whoscounting.com. US. That's www.whoscounting.us. And they can subscribe to my podcast. I'm doing a weekly podcast. And I've just finished and we're getting ready to prepare and publish and disseminate training tapes, videotapes, and materials to teach people how. Here are the seven steps to follow in your county to get people together to hear the seven things you need to know to do in your county. I've already started with the podcast. I'm releasing a new one. I just released a new one this week with Hans von Spakovsky, who's one of the leading experts on election law in America. Go back and listen to the ones I've already released 
with Jay Christian Adams and with Molly Hemingway. And subscribe to the podcast. Sign up to receive the information about what to do in your county. Every Every county in America needs to have a Citizens Election Integrity Task Force. And we will give you the materials and the training and what you need to do to make it effective and to be there and to be visible, eyes on every ballot. And I will tell you this, that county board of supervisors in Fairfax County voted, as we said, more than two weeks ago. To the governor, asking the governor to declare this state of COVID emergency to to suspend these election law requirements. And guess what? He didn't issue that order. And I will tell you that I believe the reason he didn't is because they had done polling and they think that it would cause a huge backlash against the Democrats if they did that. It would be such a clear indication of trying to manipulate the outcome. I don't think they had the courage to do it. That didn't keep them from quietly, with no announcement, stop uh, looking at the, requiring the last four digits, the social security number. But it's because of those citizens who've been vocal, who've been active. They've got poll watchers everywhere in Virginia. They are watching every move. They're tracking the data. And I think that that is the only way we're going to be able to save our election process is by citizen patriots getting up and saying, I want to be part of this. This weekend on America's Roundtable Radio, we've been joined by Cleta Mitchell, the Senior Legal Fellow at Conservative Partnership Institute and who chairs CPI's Election Integrity Network. She's one of the founders and is chairman of the Public Interest Legal Foundation. Cleta, we thank you so much for your principal leadership and your continued work in advancing election integrity in America. Thank you for taking time and joining us on America's Roundtable. Thank you, Glita. Thank you so much. I really appreciate all you do. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's two FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joel Adinsami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sardorch, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit, and our distinguished guest host, Governor Phil Bryant. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org.